there's never been a better time to start planning your career's trajectory. With LSU's online engineering programs, you can equip yourself with the skills to move forward in your career. Their degrees are 100% online and designed for working professionals balancing life's responsibilities. LSU Online offers multiple engineering degrees and certificates with focuses in industrial, civil, healthcare, petroleum, and transportation. They also offer affordable flat rate tuition nationwide. That's just one of the many reasons U.S. News ranks LSU Online as one of the best online programs for a master's in engineering. Visit online.lsu.edu slash podcast to learn more and receive a code to waive the application fee. This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm Valerie Bowman. I'm the Assistant Vice President of Process Improvement and Engineering at Unity Point Health Des Moines. I'm also an IISE member as well as a member of the Board of Directors for the Society for Health Systems. In this episode of Problem Solved, we have an opportunity to hear from Tandis Urban, co-founder of The Landby, a hospitality-forward primary care members club based in New York City. It aims to reimagine concierge medicine. Tandis is also set to be one of the keynote speakers at the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference 2022, taking place January 19th through the 21st, in Orlando, Florida. You can save with advanced rates by registering for the conference by January 11th. Learn more about the conference at www.iisc.org backslash HSBI. Today, however, we'll talk to Candace about her professional background, how the Landby serves healthcare patients, and insights on what she plans to share with attendees at the upcoming HSBI conference. Well, Tandis, it's great to spend some time with you today and talk to you about your innovation that you've created in healthcare and uh, what it's done with your life and how you got here. So one of the things I want to ask you about is your background. You're not a clinician and you're not necessarily an innovator. What is your background? How did you start? Yes. Um, I mean, I consider my background to be as a professional patient first and foremost. Um, but in terms of my professional background, um, I studied bioethics and I studied health law and law school. Um, and was really interested in kind of academia and going that route, but then realized I wanted to do something that felt more live and impactful and on the ground and impacted care delivery in a different way. Made a pretty big 180, um, went to work in the hospitality industry after law school um, for a membership club called In-House, um, and just spent a lot of time learning about what makes good guest experience and what does it mean to kind of surprise and delight a guest or a diner at a restaurant, um, and felt like that was really missing in the healthcare space. And based on my own healthcare experiences, I felt like there was this huge service gap here. Um, as a patient, I'd been dealing with an autoimmune disease since I was in my early 20s, um, which I was diagnosed with in college, but diagnosed as a loose term because they still don't really know what it is. And I spent a lot of time going to see different specialists, everybody under the sun, always coordinating my own care and just spending a lot of time at the doctor's office. And I always felt like this experience is so broken. I'm being treated with the worst customer service I ever get in my life when we're talking about my most precious resource, my health. Um, and it just didn't make a lot of sense. So 
as a professional patient, that was kind of the approach that I, that I took to, to starting the Landy with my partner, Chloe, who also, when we, the day we met, called herself a professional patient as well. Um, we really felt like there was something to building this from the user perspective, um, point by point, line by line, opening a Google doc. Here's every single thing that's wrong with going to the doctor. Here are all the nightmare stories that I've had at the doctor's office. What have you had at the doctor's office and kind of comparing notes and taking it from there. Tell us a little bit more about your horror stories. What were the things you really wanted to focus in on and make better with your new process? Yeah, so there's kind of fixing stuff and then there's making stuff really good. So there's a lot of obvious low-hanging fruit. So there's the really long wait times. It's real. actually, let's just like start at the beginning, beginning. So you go to book an appointment, you have to find the doctor. There's currently not really a great way to find the right specialist to go to. You can kind of use ZocDoc. You can use, you know, their school as a proxy. You can use the location as a proxy for whether it's convenient, but there's not a great way to source it. So then you source it, you call, you wait on hold, you do all the different numbers you have to push to get to whoever you need to talk to. Maybe you have to leave a voicemail. Somebody calls you back. You're not on your phone. Then you're like, okay, I want this time. That time's not available. How about this time? I'm not available that time. How about this time? Now you're in this song and dance trying to book the appointment. So you book the appointment. It's far out on average, 22 days to go to get to get to your new visit. Finally, go to the doctor. Whatever you had is probably progressed or gone. Um, so usually it hasn't stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the doctor, go to the front desk. Everybody's extraordinarily unfriendly. Um, very annoyed to see you there kind of imposing on everyone just by existing. Um, and I'm always just feeling like, I'm sorry, am I, am I bothering you here? Um, and, and then you wait in the waiting room. I mean, the, the waits I hear are just outrageous from patients who have shared their stories with me, but you know, upwards of two and a half, three hours just spent in a waiting room. I think it's somewhere like 50% of patients have walked out of a visit. Just wait has been too long before they're seen. Um, you go to the waiting room, you go back to the exam room. Don't see the doctor yet with an MA or the nurse, um, you change into your gown, you wait, you do another wait. We're, we're not even close to the visit yet. Do another wait. You're hanging out there with your robe, your feet are hanging over the edge. You're in this paper gown. It's really upsetting. Um, and then finally, after a really long time, the doctor comes in and you're like, great, here's my phone. I have these 12 different questions. Here's what's going on. No eye contact, looking at the computer, asking the same questions you've already answered. Um, the nurse that you also answered in your intake form. Um, and then like eight minutes later, they leave and not a whole lot feels like it's gotten accomplished. And so that experience is absurd. And we've all kind of accepted that that's just what going to the doctor is like. Um, and so I just feel like we have these really low expectations about what the doctor's office experience is like. We have the Stockholm syndrome of that's just what healthcare is. And so that's something that we really um, wanted to change in, in the way we designed the Lambie experience. I loved your answer because it's exactly the way I would process map out. Uh, when somebody would come in and ask me to make an improvement. So you you have the lingo down for process improvement. I love it. <laughs> so tell us about the Lambi. So what of that process are you looking to change and make the experience better for the patient? Yeah. So so going back to the idea of taking the low-hanging fruit, some of the obvious things that we've tried to change is making really um, booking really easy. So online scheduling. Um, and then when you come in, there's never more than a two week window before you can get an appointment, but most people can get a same week appointment. We hold back next day appointments for emergencies. You come in, the wait is never more than five minutes. You go back in for a full hour with your care team. So we're trying to flip kind of the time scale between the wait and the actual time spent with the practitioners. Um, and then you have a care team. So you have a physician, you have a wellness advisor who's a registered dietitian, then a concierge manager who sort of 
your patient advocate, your patient coordinator, who's there to deal with all the admin that goes along with being a patient. Um, and when my partner Chloe and I kind of thought through point by point, what are the biggest pressure points in creating a primary care experience? It was really this three-legged stool of medicine, the wellness, and the patient admin. And so that's how we kind of put that team together. Um, so when you come in, you get offered a drink, you can check a book out of our library. We kind of designed the waiting room to feel like you wish the wait were longer. Um, the wait's very short. You go back into the room, you do a one-hour baseline visit. That includes your physical, it includes your blood work, it includes a nutritionist visit. Um, and a lot of this is happening at the same time. So your care team kind of gets to know you at the same time. You don't have to do that process of repeating information to the nutritionist that you just said to your doctor. Um, and then from there, we do your blood work. And then two weeks later, we do a follow-up visit where we share a personalized care plan that's designed around your goals and your healthcare needs um, and based on your lab work. So that's the next visit. And then from there, you have unlimited visits with us. You can use us as you wish. Um, so our goal was really to kind of take the friction out of going to the doctor, but also making it fun to go to the doctor. Um, lots of snacks and good treats. That's one of the things that's good about going to the doctor when you're little. You get a lot of little gifts and lollipops, and things like that. So we've tried to recreate that experience for our adult patients. Instead of getting a lollipop, you get a nice warm robe. <laughs> yeah. You also get a nice um, warm robe that we've embroidered and it's a very plush, fuzzy hotel parachute robe. That's awesome. Well, talk to me about the, the folks on the care team. It, has this been an attractive proposition for your providers and the dietitians to come work in this kind of environment versus your traditional clinics? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we focus a lot on the patient experience, but improving that patient experience also impacts the practitioner. So, you know, we've attracted physicians who are A, interested in an integrative approach and like the idea of having that care team support and B, people who really want to work in that startup environment. So more and more clinicians kind of want to be able to have that experience of working in a smaller, more boutique startup instead of in a big hospital system. Um, there's a lot less burnout. We see a much smaller patient panel. The appointments are longer particularly in the context of primary care, where physicians are often getting into it because they really care about spending time with their patients and getting to know them, the opportunity to actually be able to spend meaningful time with patients is, is super, super attractive um, for the type of doctor who likes that. But one of the things I can imagine is a little bit challenging is we have this traditional way that we deal with insurance and how things get paid for, and it's complicated and it's complex, but you have a simpler approach to how things get paid. So can you talk to us a little bit about how that works? Yes, we haven't solved the insurance problem. We've stepped around the insurance problem. Um, so we're a direct primary care practice. You pay one annual membership fee um, and you get unlimited visits and interactions with our care team. So the idea was really to create that price transparency. You know the exact number you're paying. There are no additional costs. There's no upcharging. We don't sell you some additional service on top of what we're doing. It's all just part and parcel of the same thing. And it's because we really think primary care should be this first line of defense in this home base. You shouldn't have to kind of think about it visit by visit. And we kind of want to buck the notion that it's all about coming to the doctor's office for a visit. We're kind of your care team. We're your partner in this long-term healthcare journey. So if you need to text us. If you need to email us, you want to come in for a visit, you want us to send you to a specialist, we're just your team here, no matter how you want to use it. Um, and so while labs and prescriptions are still billed to insurance, or if you need to see a specialist, it's still billed to insurance. We don't accept insurance at the practice. We really want patients to be able to kind of be in control of how they spend their healthcare dollars. So if you front load some of that cost towards your primary care, that means you can maybe get a higher deductible plan and have a lower monthly payment plan. And you know, people who have a primary care doctor at all save 33% on healthcare costs over time. So even better so if you have your primary care doctor and your nutritionist and somebody dealing with all the patient admin. 
What we still do is help with insurance navigation because we know that that's one of the really icky, unpleasant parts of being a patient. And so patients come to us with questions about why did this lab bill me this? And what kind of insurance plan should I choose? And it's open enrollment season now. So it's been a big part of what we do. I love your model because it defines so clearly who is who is really the consumer here? Because in other models, is it, you know, we, who is it receiving the services and who's paying for the service? And it becomes very complicated. And we're trying to figure out how to make this better when we're trying to serve two masters. So you've been able to just fold that into one. And I think that's fantastic. hundred percent. That's, that's really the case. I mean, the main customer is the insurer or the employers. Um, and then we come in with the $15 copay that nobody's getting out of bed for. So that's why that system hasn't really worked because we're not incentivized to design for, well, we are incentivized to design for the customer, but not the consumer. Um, here we brought the customer and consumer to be the same person, which is the patient. And when did you launch the Landby? Well, that's an interesting question because we've been working on it for two years. So it feels like now we're launched, now we're done, but we just started. Um, we just opened it about a month ago, um, almost to the day. So we've been having patients coming in for the past month, which has been really exciting because we had this vision of what the experience would look like and having patients actually come in and say they enjoyed being at the doctor's office is the number one compliment that we can hear. So now you have a month under your belt. Are you starting to see some things you would do differently now that you're actually in practice? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so I think there's kind of two big challenges. One is the idea of educating patients as we try to acquire new members as to what the Lambie actually is and what primary care really should be. What role does that serve? A lot of people, especially in our age range, especially in New York City, don't have a primary care doctor. We've all had our kind of family practitioner that we left when we went to college and now we've moved to New York and we've transplanted here and we don't have a doctor and we don't go to the doctor. We go straight to HSS for everything. And so um, trying to get people to understand the value of having that home base and that first line of defense and how useful that can be um, has been part of our education strategy. Um, and then I think the other thing we've noticed through COVID is just the importance of adding mental health to our model. So right now, something we're really playing around with is how do we bring more mental health into the primary care space? Um, how does that fit in when the patient panel sizes are a little bit different? Um, that's something we're really excited to explore next year. As an engineer, you have the power to impact and shape the future of the world. But we know how hard it is to balance life's responsibilities with getting the education necessary to advance your career and make that impact. The engineering programs offered through LSU Online make it easy to learn at a pace and schedule that's convenient for you. Their programs are 100% online, specifically designed to be flexible for working professionals. LSU Online offers multiple engineering degrees and certificates with focuses in industrial, civil, healthcare, petroleum, and transportation. U.S. News ranks LSU Online as one of the best online programs for a master's in engineering. And with flat rate tuition offered to students nationwide, LSU Online's engineering programs are also some of the most affordable programs available. Accelerate your career growth and leave a lasting impact on the world with LSU Online. Get started by visiting online.lsu.edu slash podcast to learn more and receive a code to waive the application fee. So I was curious to learn a little bit more about your um, the credentials of the folks that are working for you. So you have a physician and a dietitian, and what type of person are you looking for to help be that relationship manager? 
Yeah. So, you know, we looked at a few different roles for this. We considered maybe having a nurse do this role. We considered bringing somebody in from the hospitality world to do this role. We ended up having somebody who did patient experience and office manager work um, at a practice um, previously. She had a lot of experience doing that insurance navigation work, but also is is good at doing that patient communication. Um, that's really important because you need somebody who's really sticky in that role. Somebody who gets people excited that you want to talk to, even though you don't really have to talk to. Um, someone who can kind of toe that line of being a helpful authority, but also be kind of your healthcare best friend. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the way we describe that person is like replacing the, all the stuff your mom used to do for you um, when you had to go to the doctor. And now nobody's there to do that for you. And that's what this this person's designed to do. So tell us about your clients. Are they uh, are they younger? Are they older? Is there a certain type of client that's attracted to the Lambie? Yeah. So, you know, it's been a really big mix. Everybody needs a primary care doctor. And so the reasons people come to us are also very different. We have a huge age range, but I'd say most of our patients are late 30s, early 40s. Um, and we have a lot of biohackers. That's kind of been our primary audience so far. So people who have experimented with wearables, people who listen to a lot of Peter Atia, people who are interested in their fitness, but they kind of want to be able to take it to that next level and understand that primary care is a great jumping off point to be able to kind of get to that level of personalization. So there's just a lot, a lot of wellness noise out there. There are so many resources. There are so many ways to experiment with your body. There are so many things you can try. You can try paleo, you can try intermittent fasting, you know, and they're all really exciting to that, to a kind of new fledgling biohacker community. But how do you personalize it? How do you do these things safely? How do you track your blood work to make sure that you're doing things in a responsible way in a way that won't impact your health down the line? Um, so that's kind of where we've come in to be able to create personalized care plans for people to kind of see what they've tried, what they're looking to try and, and help them get to that, that next level that feels more personalized. That is fascinating. Like, sounds like your clients, are, they're a little bit of a risk taker. Like they want to kind of try the newest and latest. We've had a patient say that he, he kind of sees his body as an experimentation ground. And I think that really captures it well. <laughs> Did you expect that of your clients or is that kind of a surprise to you? It was a little bit of a surprise. I think we, we assumed we'd have kind of earlier stage biohackers who are looking to learn more, but we've got some pretty advanced folks um, coming into this space, which is really fun for us because our favorite thing to talk about as patients is our health and wellness. And part of why Chloe and I started this is because we just love, it's the thing we love to talk about. And what we've taken from it is that these patients also want to get to know each other. And so part of what we're working on now is building out um, communities and salons for patients to be able to interact with each other and learn from each other's tips and geek out about all the different things they've experimented with. That's neat. Well, you know, we engineers are a bunch of geeks, so we just like that kind of stuff too. <laughs> My partner's an engineer, so we have that mentality all over the office. That's great. Well, do you see that this model of care, do you see it expanding in the future? Do you think that there will be um, more patients will be attracted to becoming Land B participants? That's our that's our business plan for sure. Um, no, but I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of room for models like this to, to continue to grow. Direct primary care in general just has been booming over the past 10 years. I think it's grown like 50 fold and it's just more and more practices are doing it both from a patient side and a provider side. So on the provider side, makes a lot of sense for a lot of practitioners to, to move to that model, it makes it a lot easier for them. There's this intuition, which totally is not 100% true, but that like, if you're paying out of pocket, you're getting better care. That's definitely a mentality that exists here in New York, um, but it's certainly not true of all practitioners, of course. Um, and then on the patient side, you know, patients are kind of catching on to how unreasonable the service is, um, and they're catching on to the importance of health. 
So on the unreasonableness side, we're getting used to better and better services in our lives, right? We want that Uber level convenience for everything that we're doing. And we're not going to settle for it in our healthcare anymore. Um, and then in terms of wellness, there's so many more resources available now and so many more ways to track your data and to better understand your own health, much better understanding of nutrition than we've had before. And so those two things combined make it a really ripe time for patients to kind of take control of their health and go direct to the source. So I think direct-to-consumer models for healthcare are, are definitely the way of the future. And there's so much room for, for different models here. So our model is very much about modernizing the concierge experience and bringing that integrative care into focus. But then we have a company like Parsley that's very focused on functional medicine. We have a company like Ford very focused on the tech component and that experience of it. There's room for so many different players to kind of take different angles. Tia coming in with the women's health angle, um, Kind Body, you know, all these great players in the space that have been huge inspirations for us as we as we get our doors open. Um, but there's there's a lot of room left. I'm excited to see what comes next in this space. And I think I can see a future as we learn how to bring the price point down where this is the way people do primary care. We don't do it the regular way anymore. And I think people are going to be if, if I could have kind of a goal for the Lambie, it would be that we change people's expectations around what it means to go to the doctor. And by changing people's expectations, hopefully insurers will feel compelled to reimburse value-based care. And that would kind of change entirely the landscape, of how, how we're able to provide accessible healthcare to everybody that's actually high quality. That's a wonderful goal. I appreciate that. I want to make everybody snobbier, <laughs> ideally. Well, Tannis, we are so grateful that you're going to be speaking at the upcoming Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. Um, we're looking forward to it. Can you give us a little bit of a taste of what you might be talking about as a keynote speaker? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of this stuff, right? It's how how did the healthcare system get this way in the first place? What was the kind of the historical accident that led to our employer-based insurance models? Um, what does it mean to change patient expectations? And why does it matter that right now we are okay with how bad the system is? And kind of the the thesis for me is that by having these low expectations around going to the doctor, a lot of us don't go to the doctor. We have patients who haven't gone, I think 18 years is the longest we've had for a patient who hasn't seen a, a PCP. Um, and that's a problem because if we think that going to the doctor is going to be a huge waste of time, going to be stuck in a waiting room and get 10 unpersonalized minutes with the doctor, then we don't go. Then when we don't go, that leads to worse health outcomes because we're not spending any time on preventive medicine. And so that cycle of both, the, it's sort of a supply and a demand problem. The supply is really ineffective. And so the demand disappears. And now we're left with, you know, 40% of deaths being, being due to preventable causes. And that's a huge problem. So how can we make going to the doctor fun, not just because we deserve fun, but we deserve good health? Personally, I love that the HSTI conference is fantastic. I always get a lot out of it. What are you hoping to get out of attending the conference? You know, I'm always coming at this from the non-clinician perspective. I'm a professional patient. And so talking to actual actual healthcare providers who can say, yeah, I've tried this. Here's why it doesn't really work. Because there are a lot of things before you open a practice that you think, oh, well, I'm just going to do it like this. And then you learn, okay, no, there are reasons. There, there are, Some things have no good reason behind them, but some do. And so continuing to parse that out and learn from other practitioners and what's worked for them and their experience um, is definitely really exciting and, and just getting their feedback on where they think the future of healthcare is going. Anything you want to share with our listeners that I haven't asked you about that you think would be important to talk about? No, check out our website, send me an email, tannisofthelamby.com. Give me all your feedback. Great. Go for it. I appreciate your time so much. Again, appreciate coming to speak with me and then also coming to our conference. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and hope our listeners uh, enjoyed hearing about the Landby and they will become partners in their healthcare and demand better service. Thanks so much, Valerie. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Problem Solved, the IISC podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Metro Atlanta. This podcast is produced by David Brandt, Keith Albertson, and Michael Hughes, and edited by David Brandt. You can listen to all episodes of Problem Solved and learn about sponsorship opportunities by visiting our website, podcast.iise.org. You can also learn more about IISE at the Institute's website, www.iise.org.